All right, we are tracking, so whenever okay. you are ready. I'm ready. Ready? Ready, steady. Ready. Ready, ready Freddy. Freddy. <laughs> steady. We can't use that. We'll, we'll get sued by Disney. Hey, Betty. Steady, Betty. All right, ready, Freddy. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio, and here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everyone, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons, and thanks for joining us. This is episode number 53. 53, we're really getting up there, guys. Rolling. And uh, today we're going to talk to Jim Wilhelmson, and actually it's going to be part one of two episodes, but before we get there... Double header. Double header. Woo! What we got? Yeah. Yeah, so that, there's Jim Wilhelmson. But um, yeah, we'll do some usual stuff here before we get into that. Boom, here we go. Just a little bit of reminders for everyone listening. If you're listening on iTunes or your iPhone with the podcast app, make sure to go and give us five stars and a review. Well, I mean, you could give us less stars if you want, but, you know, if you give us five stars, that would be really cool. And you can leave reviews and let everybody else know why you gave us the rating that you did. Yes. For instance, somebody here gave us five stars. I'm looking at it right now. And says, excellent podcast for the biblically discerned. Victorious. You know, awesome. excellent. To the point, five stars. I like it. Here's another one. Um, <laughs> this one is five stars. And they said, always great when they show up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's actually um, a pretty good point. Yeah, it does. We, I mean, we are great when we show up. <laughs> but I, I kind of see that more as a, as a challenge. Maybe I, I'm just a little bit I think it sensitive is a about about our um, frequency our punctuality as of late yeah okay so yeah there you go itunes iphone users go do that stitcher users thumbs uh, up give, give us, us a thumbs yeah, up yeah thumbs up that's that thing absolutely use that but thumbs up let everybody know that you approve of canary cry radio um you player which in the past we have said we didn't know what it was right but now but we do Gons, with his unlimited talent for research, has My. found out that it's an Android app. It's like the for y'all you Android the peeps out there, transhumanist DNA right. upgrade machine yeah, loving fell. people with brain synapses. Right, you that, fell for their marketing ploy. Yeah, and for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, the, the Android commercial basically says that if you get an Android phone, your DNA is upgraded. And you're way more awesome. Introducing Droid DNA by HTC. It's not an upgrade to your phone. It's an upgrade to yourself. Yeah. That's Which their... I'm not denying. I just haven't seen the scientific proof of that. <laughs> Didn't you say there's another uh, product that has some kind of transhumanist spin? Well, the one that always makes me laugh is Five Gum. Five Gum. I've never five. heard it before. It's just Five is I don't know why it's called five, but yeah, it's five gum. And the commercials are like these really intense, like technological, like I don't even know, experience inducing brain machines. <laughs> and it's just like really funky stuff happens when you when you chew this gum. I don't know. Interesting. It's really funny. Five gum. Stimulate your senses. It's yeah. fascinating that they're trying to pitch all that stuff anyway go on sure chew that gum um all right moving on real quick we got the forum and the comment section make sure to go and comment and 
join the forum. Yeah. Josh Peck, who was on our last episode, um, has been cruising the forum hard, answering questions, um, getting in the conversation. So. Yeah, he, uh, I think he pretty much wrote a, a book in the forum. So if you guys want to uh, so go in go. there and, and look at some of the conversations that took place, it was good. It was good, healthy debating kind of stuff going on there. So, healthy. Uh, it's like vegetables for your mind. Yes. Um, yeah, so go do that. Go join. Say hello. Make sure to send us uh, emails and comments and stuff too because we like hearing from you guys Absolutely. so much. Even if, we do, even if we don't happen to write back, we, we have you in our hearts and our minds. Yeah, you know, we should probably, and I don't know why I'm saying this while it's, you know, we're on air, but we should probably figure out a better system to respond to people because yeah. what's happening is there's a PHP thing that happens and we get the message and then when we just hit reply in our Gmail, we are writing to ourselves. So. Yeah, we send messages. I don't know. It's 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 messy. It's technology, messy technology stuff. And then at the same time, there's me and Gons both looking at the messages. We don't know we don't who's know responded. Who's, yeah, what? Yeah. So we're super organized over here, and we would love <laughs> your prayers in that field of our lives. Absolutely. Um, moving on, we have voicemails. Oh yeah. Voicemails. Voicemails. Boy. Okay. All right, so we have a message from GX2. And GX2. We actually ignored his message last time. Thanks to Basil's oh, request. It we was, did not uh, <laughs> ignore. We did not ignore you, GX2. No, no, we, we didn't just, ignore. We, uh, we, just, um, we, we thought it was a very strong message, so we wanted to save it for the future, and the future is now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, you're really pitching this one hard. Oh huh? gosh, uh, I I think I'm I'm <laughs> losing okay. my mind GX2 over here. GX2 will still like us, even though he's saved his voicemail for yeah, this episode. Yeah, yeah. So so GX2, uh, we had him in the batter's box, and now he's walking up to the plate. Oh gosh, it just does not end with you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's listen to this. Hey guys, this is GX2. Uh, I want to say I love your show. You guys are awesome. Um, this is about the Children of Angels podcast. That was a it was a good podcast to have her on to hear about her book and understand what it is. But it was frustrating to hear someone talk about a concept like the Nephilim as we're learning and try to twist it into a way to make it look good and a benefit. Young kids who read that are she may think they're going to understand, but they are going to start. Um, feeling like they want to be special like the characters in the book and they want those special abilities just like in Harry Potter they want they're going to want the same special abilities he has and the enemy is going to show up offering them those abilities and I believe that's going to be part of the deception that's going to lure them away anyway what are your thoughts on this thanks guys yes that is exactly the point GX2 you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's exactly the point. And for those of you who don't know what's going on, go back two episodes and listen to our interview with Catherine Dahlstrom, the author of... Um, Children of Angels. Children of Angels, the first book of the Nephilim series, where the hero of the book is a young boy who um, has Nephilim DNA. And yes, I agree, GX2. That is the issue. That, And it, it's even more so a problem in that exact context because you know we're here and we realize that 
a whole section of the deception that we're expecting is the normalization of Nephilim or, you know, alien or, you know, something like that. Right. And this plays right into what we see as part of the deception, which is the normalization of, you know, humans seeking special powers through illicit means, like A, magic, or B, some sort of DNA or genetic thing. Yeah, I mean, we've probably... I, at least I feel like we've, uh, you know, I've kicked this dead horse over and over again. But that, no, yeah, it's totally true. That's the whole point. And, uh, you know, I hope that we conveyed those sentiments without offending Catherine or anything. I think she had her heart in the right place. But, you know, again, I think the hope is that she has a couple more books to write so she can sort of, I don't know how exactly, but maybe rectify or somehow. Right. Uh, land the story in a place where some of those things are, you know, fixed up or whatever. <laughs> although, but although it might be hard to land the series with her main character going to hell or <laughs> something like that, that might be difficult. Just or, kidding. Or, okay. Or or maybe he finds uh, out that he never had angel DNA. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? God was so just uh, giving him powers or something. I don't know. The wonderful world of fiction. Exactly. Exactly. So there we go. Thank you, GX2, for that. And yeah, we really should have thrown that in last episode. Yeah. I don't know why it didn't. I, Gon says that's my fault, so I'll just take the blame for that one. Um, we got another one. Hey, another voice message from... Uh, are we saying names right now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> from Andre. Andre. Here we go, Andre. Yes, uh, I really like uh, Canary Cry Radio. I discovered it when I discovered, uh, I believe, his Re- uh, Revelations uh, Radio News. And I think you uh, approach your subjects with a unique uh, point of view, a unique angle. And I try to, when I talk to friends and people I know, I do mention Canary uh, Cry Radio. Uh, there is a desperate need for alternative news sources, uh, even entertainment sources, if you look at the uh, corporate uh, media. And uh, I really like you guys, and I try to uh, tune in as much as I can. Uh, And uh, I hope you guys all the success. Uh, You have a listener here. And uh, I I thank you for what you're doing. And I don't even mind the religious angle, because that's pretty good. Uh, Thank you, and you have... uh, very good day boom yes andre thank you so much for those kind words and you know what guns i respect andre a lot yeah me too um for so many reasons first of all he listens to our show so he's a smart guy second of all he's awake you can tell he's awake he's not asleep third he tells his friends about canary cry radio which ties in with the fourth one which it seems as though he, he's, uh, I don't know how to, he's just, he's a normal guy. He's not a, he's not a believer. He's not a religious right. guy. Right. And so, first of all, shout out to all our non-believer listeners for hanging in there and listening to us and, and having an open mind and um, taking this all in, the truth, with, you know, uh, this twist that they probably don't get in a lot of their other resources. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a Andre, there's a lot of other th- places to listen out there, but this guy, Andre, he made it through Revelations Radio News, he got through those guys. He's listening to us. He's leaving us voice messages. And, you know, he's not the, the angry 
non-angry atheist religious non yeah exactly he's not the angry atheist so high five to you andre you get a double high five from me and guns and uh keep listening yeah for sure and i think that's it's awesome because there's you know obviously with a lot of these issues that we tackle there is a commonality as far as it's something that is happening in our world so and we both you know are living in this world whether you're a believer or not so we have that common ground where we can talk about these issues. And of course, I think we're all on a journey to find the truth. You know, none of us are trying to say that we have the corner on the marketplace of ideas when it comes to truth. And, you know, we, we have our convictions and of course those convictions are probably offensive to people on, you know, a normal sort of, a lot of times. Yeah. And, and I would but say that's, the majority but of that's, the time, but that's the thing though, you know, the truth is exclusive by nature, you know? So it's cool that Andre, you're listening and you're telling your friends about us and stuff. And uh, yeah, keep it going, man. Cause you know, we don't often hear from um, people that would label us with, well, we do, bent. but they're right. But they're usually not very nice. Oh well, yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah. So, all right, Andre, Hope you're listening, buddy. Okay, are we moving on? What else do we have going on here? We have a couple more. A couple uh, more. We always have more. We always, we'll always have, more. have more voicemails. So stay so tuned we'll, for those. Right, yeah. Tune in next time for some more listener contribution to the content. Content. <laughs> Don't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> do not put that in okay, there okay yeah yeah uh okay maybe you can put that in there i okay <laughs> <laughs> i'll edit it together to just make it sound completely awkward <laughs> so what you just experienced folks was part true part editing magic Woo. all right so all right what's going on now <laughs> okay so we mentioned at the top of the show that we split this interview we had with jim wilhamson into two and the reason why we did that was because, uh, first off, the conversation that we had um, just a few nights ago, Basil and I, with Jim Wilhelmson was fantastic. I would say it was... So much. So, so much, much going on. Yeah. And it was, an, it was one of those conversations where during the conversation, we were both, Basil and I were thinking, you know, yeah, let's, let's split this up because this is a big, giant piece of pie to take in and... It would just be easier to do. I don't know why I used the pie reference, but uh, big giant piece of pie, ladies and gentlemen. I like and so we're gonna, I like we're, instead pie. of eating one big piece of pie, we're gonna <laughs> eat two little pieces of pie. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is with my uh, your your turns of phrase. Yeah, my uh, yeah. descriptive word play. Yeah, you're really on the ball tonight. All right. So anyway, um, yeah. So so we we split it up, and I guess we're gonna play the interview, and we're gonna jump in with various points and sort of give our thoughts because we've it's been a few days since the interview, and uh, we had a chance to sort of reflect on some of these issues that he brought up, and so you know we'll provide some impromptu commentary. Uh, wow, you're just giving out all of our secrets away here, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a secret. I mean, it's a secret, man. They all think that we do this. The, we uh, they all think that it's happening. it's happening. Well, here, here's no the thing. No editing. Well, here here's the here's the magic, right? The magic is that you listening right now 
to you, it's happening right now in your ear. Right. But, but basically we're time travelers, you know, because we do this now, but then you listening to it, it's now for you. And so that's the kind of craziness that we get into on this episode. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the perfect response I could have given to you. <laughs> um, so what's going on? Are we introducing him now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Here he is. Okay. Here's our here's our interview with Jim Wilhelmson. Today's guest we have uh, a very special guest. He was a pioneer of the first evangelical Christian motorcycle club in Detroit in the late 70s. Uh, he was a member of MUFON for 10 years as a religious researcher, and he was a resident of Roswell, New Mexico, where he owned a bookstore and a museum, uh, providing a biblical perspective on the UFO and alien phenomenon. He's got a YouTube channel. You can find him at user Alternate Realities 7 uh, he's also the co-founder of PAPSI, it's Paranormal and Alien Abduction Problem Solvers International. He runs EchoesofEnoch.com, and he's the author of the book Beyond Science Fiction. <coughs> oh, you okay there? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Jim Wilhelmson. Thank how, you. How you doing, Jim? Thank you, glad to be here. All right, well... Let's just dive in a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to this point of your ministry. Okay, well, obviously from that intro, I've never <laughs> done anything in the box. I'm, I've been an always outside-of-the-box kind of guy. And uh, I guess you might say that, you know, I, I fill in gaps that have never been covered before. Um, when, I, when I first had the calling to even think or start up anything like a Christian-like ministry, um, I was, uh, in my early history, I was a, a nerd kid who later turned greaser, turned biker back in the 60s, uh, went through the whole bike gang, uh, living in that subculture for a short time. But I like to thank my parents, who are now both with the Lord, but they raised me better. Uh, when I got into some of the big stuff that they were involved in, actually what I saw was a murder uh, that that made me realize, hey, look, you know, I, I don't mind having a chip on my shoulder. I'm a confused kid, but you know what? This is too heavy duty for me. I didn't, all I want to do is ride my bike in peace and, and be cool. I didn't bargain for that kind of thing. So I kind of started pulling out of it. Uh, we had this little incident going on called the Vietnam War, and I was perfect age 18. And so I, I had to do a stint in the Army for two years. That kind of gave me my first wake-up call, which led, ultimately led me to uh, finding Christ. But I was raised on Darwin. I was a geek. Um, gosh, at 13, 14 years old, I was reading uh, college textbooks on paleontology and, and uh, archaeology and didn't realize, you know, that I was that much of a geek. Um, I was made fun of a lot, and that's probably what turned me into getting into the motorcycle thing. Well, I happened to enjoy motorcycles, but that kind of got me into the bad crowd. And I did that thing for a while, but my lifelong fascination i mean at five years old i was collecting newspapers of the space program because i was just fascinated by it and uh, i started following it and kept uh kept a newspaper collection going all the way through the entire uh program i always had a fascination about ufos too and so i was reading and um just ingesting as much as i could about in the early 70s it got to be more metaphysical with all kinds of you know crazy new age stuff but i 
my uh i was more of a nuts and bolts scientific kind of a guy and my interest in that sort of waned so i just got away from it uh for a while and then when i became a christian in 1974 my biggest thing was how does that all reference into uh, what i knew about ufos the reality of them how did that how does that fit into the bible where does it happen well a few years later um i got some answers you know in 1978 i gave my first sermon on the whole ufo alien deception and how it relates to genesis 6. um it was kind of way ahead of most people at that time i think ide thomas and chuck missler uh were just about the only ones even addressing. There was a handful more that were addressing this whole topic. Um, I knew I, you know, I was too busy pioneering the, one of the first evangelical Christian bike clubs, so I was too busy with that to venture more into the UFO alien thing. So I, I sensed, and I even told my congregation when I gave that sermon in '78 that that when I heard more about abductions and the interbreeding of the human race with these things that it would be time to get more involved. Well, that happened 20 years later in 1996. I got a full-time calling from a dream. Well, that's how the bike ministry started. I had a dream from the Lord, showed me it before it even existed. And I go, wow, that's crazy. I never heard anything like that. That's just, of course, it wasn't embraced by uh, the traditional uh, church right away. The, right. Only way that, the only way that we gained acceptance is there were so many people um, being a, a ministry like a bike ministry, we were somewhat nomadic, mobile, you know, so we were going around in different spots. We couldn't possibly provide, you know, uh, church and discipleship for everybody. So we tried to channel them through good churches that we knew were in their area. We had so many people get saved through that ministry and they would, we would channel them through churches. I even had this large, this huge Baptist church, one of the biggest in, in the Detroit metro area. They actually came to one of my Bible studies just to see who I was because they had so many people coming from our ministry that we referred to them. I knew, um, you know, I'm full gospel, but I knew that uh, this church had good sound doctrine and a good beginning for a lot of people. So we referred them. Well, I guess their elders, I heard the report later on. He says, you wouldn't believe this guy. He's teaching the word of God on a, uh, on a college level to bikers, some of them can't even read. And the most amazing thing is they actually understand what he's saying. Right, and right. man, that's kind of been my ministry. You know, I've, you know, God's given me, he's blessed me with a pretty good brain, but I come from a simple background, blue collar working class type background. And so I'm able to take a lot of the elaborate, sophisticated, highly intellectual kinds of things and put it down into a language where the average person can, can actually understand it. And um, I guess that's the biggest gap that I fill. So I, I did that in the bike ministry. And being that I dealt with the biker type ministry, almost right on, as soon as I got in ministry, uh, deliverance was part of, just simply part of ministry. And that's, for deliverance is another name for exorcisms or commanding demons out of people and homes and stuff like that didn't know it then but that was all in preparation for what i would do next was working with uh within the ufo community to victims of abduction and other unwanted paranormal problems i was able to convey that knowledge of deliverance into this arena because it's the same enemy just a different outer veneer right right and, uh, so that's kind of how uh, in 1996 another dream and the lord told me that i was to stand in a gap of this and i the dream was kind of crazy. It was about a UFO. I was in an underground complex, and I'm um, kind of like behind some equipment and everything, and I'm hearing people talk, and I could smell a real intense smell of, uh, of ozone, like electrical charged uh, 
you know, electricity or something. So I'm hedging around these equipment to try to see what the center of attention was in this underground like cavern. And all of a sudden in the center where I saw a bunch of technicians and other people working, there was this UFO that it kept changing. It was flip-flopping back and forth from something that looked organic and then it would turn into something that looked right out of the 1950s sci-fi movies uh, around shiny disc. Right. I what do you mean organic? <clears throat> I mean like a living being. It was like it was shaped like a UFO, only it was it had like pulsating veins, it had a pattern. Um, I've heard it described as a turtle shell pattern, which huh. uh, which some other people have seen. I didn't know at the time what in the heck. Here's this thing that looks alive, and it kind of looked like an SR seventy one or um, like a manta ray, but it was actually looked more organic or live. And it changed from that to a nut and bolt, shiny, bright metallic uh, UFO. And it kept changing back and forth, almost like somebody had a hologram and they were changing the channel back and forth. Hmm. When it became um, a, a 50s sci-fi UFO, I went inside real quick. I snuck inside. I go inside. There's, there's, it's everything's all white. You couldn't even tell where walls were or anything. And then I heard a narrative voice in the background saying that for the last 50 years, uh, the best technicians and scientists have been working on this uh, mystery of the UFO, and so far nobody's been able to discover exactly what it is. Well, then I sensed a wall next to me, and I looked up, and there was this Hebrew writing on the wall. And my first reaction, I responded to the narrative voice. I said, that's Hebrew on that wall. That that means that all of this is, can only be explained through the scriptures in the Bible. The Bible has the answer for all of this. And then I woke up and I go, whoa, okay, Lord, that was really just a weird dream. I mean, I've had other things to direct me, but they were more personal applying to my, you know, everyday life, not, right. you know, something crazy like that. So in, in a few months to come, uh, the Lord started showing me that this was part of a deception that carried over from Genesis 6. And that I was, you know, this is what he had for me next. And the other way he, he spoke to me through this, too, to confirm it, was um, um, there was, I had a friend call me up. I had, I had been working, this was a busy time of my life. I'd been working full, two full-time jobs, went through a divorce. I was, you know, trying to keep up with a friend of the court and everything. So I'm working two full-time jobs. I had no time for much of anything else. This friend of mine, she called me up. She says, Jim, I want you to watch this program on TV. Don't turn it off. I want you I want you to watch it all the way through. I just, I know you haven't watched TV in a long time, but this is a real freak show, and I just want you to see what it's like. Well, she wanted me to see the shock value of it, and so I turned it on, and here's Jerry Springer, and the topic is alien abduction. Of course, they're making fun of all the people, and, you know, I never saw this Jerry Springer before, and I oh, my God, what a freak show this is. But right. during that show, it's what the Lord was started talking to me. and said, Jim, I am calling you to stand in the gap of this this is what you're going to do next then that very night i had the dream and it all started you know gelling together so uh 19 let's see how did that go that i've really invested a lot of time and i've been able to to do that i uh i at that time i was working a, a job in auto prototype making big money i had saved up quite a lot of money in in the bank um i got laid off um, I had this new direction. I started fasting and praying, and I could go 10, you know, 15 days at a time. Um, I lived out in the country. I lived out in the country, removed far from everything and every way. That was part of a God thing, too, to keep me away from um, the old stuff and keep me totally focused. And I realized, okay, here I am. I'm living on the water. I love fishing. 
Um, I've got lots of money in the bank. The Lord's given me a new direction. Let's just not be in a hurry to find another job and let's just do this full time. So it was about eight months until I had to go back to work and, and uh, I did, but for that eight, eight months, I just studied and, and uh, did a full, total concentration on that. Uh, a few years later, 1998, I posted my first website. Um, I think uh, Dave Flynn had his, L.A. Marzulli, and uh, maybe like a handful of people were even addressing this topic at the time. I, my parents both had passed away. I received a bit of an inheritance. And what I did was I, I bought a mobile home a modest little thing. I paid four years rent in advance <laughs> and wow, I just, awesome. and I studied full time for four years. Now in my background, I do have two years of Bible college, but I don't actually have a degree in it. Um, my ministry grew so fast, so big that I had to quit just to take care of you know, the ministry full time. But um, in my early years as a Christian, um, I had a mentor who was going to uh, Michigan university of Michigan. He was studying, uh, Biblical ancient languages, ended up getting a PhD. He's an author of uh, a lot of books, kind of a Walter Martin wannabe. But he taught me how to go back to the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, how to use reference books and materials, how to, uh, you know, taught me the, the basic principles of Greek and Hebrew. Um, <clears throat> and I got my mentorship, you know, pretty much from him. So by the time I was into Bible college, I was getting straight A's with hardly, hardly even having to. Um, study too much because I had already gotten a good foundation from my church and from my, uh, from my mentor there, um, right. had does, if he knew what I was doing today, he'd probably write a book against me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just strange how my, how everything has been interconnected. He ended up becoming, I don't know if you've ever heard of Constance Cumbie. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, great book. I, I refer her book, Hidden Dangers Behind the Rainbow to mm -hmm. everybody. It's, it should be, required reading. I mean, she really puts it together with the New Age and Nazis and how they're actually one and the same. What, what I took as the next step further, I say, this is New Testament and Old Testament theosophy. Old Testament theosophy based on bloodline and national identity. New Testament theosophy based on the concept that man becomes God. Right. Just the opposite, the very spirit of Antichrist. So um, she wrote this book, um, and my mentor became her nemesis. He just dogged her wow. and said that she was just, you know, crazy baloney, and she's not. She has some of the best documented evidence for compiling, you know, the research that she has, and uh, it's an excellent book. So it's just funny how, you know, it's a, it's a small world, and there's so many other things that have gone that same way. I could just totally see God's hands in leading and guiding me through all of this. I, it's not like, you know, I'm some smart guy that figured all this out on my own. Most of, most of what I have has been through dreams and visions that, that I received from the Lord through time of fasting and prayer. And then my responsibility, and I thank God for a fundamentalist background that I had in my early years as a Christian, I was always, it was always pounded to me that no matter what we experience, what we hear, what we see, everything has to go back chapter, test, and verse into the Word of God. So that's kind of been my main uh, driving rule, you might say, that... that uh, if just because I have a dream and I think it's from God, well, how does that line up in Scripture? Lord, show me. where You're trying to show me something. Where is it in your Word? Until I see it in the Word, it's in the back of my mind, and I just keep it for consideration. But it's not, it's not uh, written in stone until I can see it, chapter, text, and verse, rightly divided in God's Word.
Right. So right. that's, uh, you know, so in 1996, I was called full-time into this. I took advantage of, of an inheritance. I studied even further. I started traveling. Um, the more I felt comfortable with the material that I had, and I knew it was from the Lord, I started writing little booklets, and I started traveling to UFO conventions and shows um, all over the country and tried to get involved in firsthand witness, uh, you know, investigation and, and experiencing the whole UFO phenomena. And I have traveling all over the country for, you know, a short period of time because I didn't want to just stay behind a computer monitor and gather up a bunch of uh, stuff. What I discovered impacted me so much. I felt personally responsible that, you know, the rest of my life, my life was changing out. Now I have to go out and I have to really find out all of this stuff firsthand. So I spent a few years doing that. And the next thing I know, um, I was invited to speak at the age of days in 2003. And when I went there, you know, I had just newly, I had just newly gotten remarried. Uh, I was only married for like three months and, uh, I went to speak. And when I came back, I knew that I was moving to Roswell. Now I had to, I gave a warning to my bride before we got married that God has got me a weird calling and I'm going to end up probably going to places that nobody else is going to want to go. You sure you want to tag along with me? Yes, I do. Okay, well, I'm coming back from Roswell trying to think how I'm going to try to explain to her that we're going to go out and move in the middle of the desert and nowhere. She's going to give up her career job and I'm going to give up my business and we don't know anybody or anything, but we're going to go out there and live. So I'm wondering, how am I going to do this? So I got back home. I said, hon, I got something I got to tell you. And she says, I know we're moving to Roswell, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, you, made it, you, Lord, you just made it too easy. That's, that's, <laughs> so we went. We were there for four years. We had our little store. Um, I'd say for every 100 people that came from trucking into the uh, International UFO Museum, maybe one or two would straggle into my store. So I wasn't dealing with big numbers. But at the end of every week, I could count on my hands eight, ten divine appointments where I prayed with people, either brought them back to the Lord or I introduced them to Christ for the first time. And in some of those people, I had, of all things, I had two young Jewish people from uh, Hayatha, Israel. Because we had people coming from all over the world into Roswell. That was like the place for everything you have an alien. And these two young men are, are looking at all of the boards i i had in my store i had poster boards beginning from genesis to revelation and then some of it by topic everything and anything supernatural and i had books by the authors you know christian authors or good sound reference material from from secular people pertaining to the different topics and everything so they were fascinated by the hitler stuff the nazi technology and, and things so they're looking right. through all of this and they were there for maybe a half hour reading everything intensely. And they turned around and they said, so, now I'm thinking they're going to ask about UFOs and aliens. Said, so, tell me why Jesus is my Messiah. Whoa. Wow. Uh, what, Whoa. See, what, they had, what they had deduced on themselves, if this Hitler guy is who you say you are, he is, and he's done all these things, my gosh, that's the opposite of what you guys always told us about Jesus. So, they turned around and they said, so, why is and i laughed and i said well you got all day i mean you know, it's like, um he's they said we're here we're here and we are on no schedule we got as long as you want to take i said so you're serious they said yeah wow. so i walked them through all the scriptures all the messianic scriptures and then so the one the one young man looked up at me and how do you answer this the holy spirit gave me a perfect answer but you know in your own strength how do you answer this he he looked at me with hurt eyes and he says you mean to tell me that all of my relatives 
in the past that that were Jewish that died without Jesus Christ went to hell. Wow. How do you answer a question like that? You know, wow. it's like, Lord, help me out, please. You know, and, and instantly, I just, I mean, instantly, I didn't even have time to think about it. I just felt so in the spirit. And I was able to say, look, all your life, you felt harassed by Christians who kept coming up to you and telling you that Jesus Christ was your Messiah. I said, while you were thinking that you were being harassed, God loves you so much and your family that he was trying to get it through to you that that is the most important thing for you to understand. Yes. But you know what? The thing is, that's in the past. You can't do anything about it. Now you hold the key to the future. If you understand that Jesus is your Messiah, the rest of your family that's still alive, you're, you're their only hope. You have to take this and be bold and present it. It's the only way out for yourself or for any of your family. They accepted it. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Now they're going, they're going back to Israel knowing that Jesus was their Messiah. How much of a ripple effect is that going to have? I don't know. I just, you know, it was incredible. It was incredible. so heavy. Coming from your little UFO shop Mm -hmm. and just this incredibly heavy, heavy testimony for these Israeli dudes. My goodness, that is just amazing. Well, Um, You know, in the midst of that, the Lord says, okay, I want you to go back home now. No, right. Lord, no! Are you kidding? <laughs> I haven't had it this good since I was had the Christian bike ministry. I don't want to leave here. We can't go home. Your family needs you. Wow. Oh. Mm. So maybe so, that was it. Well, yeah. we, and, and we did. We obeyed. And we came back in the midst of a very fruitful, very productive ministry. We we had to leave it behind. We had to come back home. So we're gonna break in here and just sort of comment on that you know moment because it was it was really cool can i just say how cool just that his whole story is in general i mean the guy dropped everything to move to roswell yeah and open up a ufo shop yeah what that's pretty awesome (laughs) i wish i could do that (laughs) like talk about obedience my goodness and then it seemed like that whole experience of you know, moving there and having the shop and everything was for this purpose of, you know, I guess multiple purposes, but maybe this was the, the main one that God had placed, you know, in his path of speaking to these guys from Israel and right. You know, right. Yeah. He, I mean, he said he had evangelical or in evangelistic um, experiences almost all the time in that UFO shop, which is just radical. But yeah, these Israeli dudes and the story he told about them was just awesome. I mean, there's just so many layers to how awesome that is. Yeah. You know? I mean, the fact that they're out in the desert um, <laughs> at a UFO shop and these guys, you know, they probably didn't plan to come like learn about Jesus. They wanted to come see some aliens, man. Right. Like that's what they're there for. <laughs> checking out the posters on his wall, checking everything out. And then, you know, just something happened and the the Lord moved and that's what it turned into. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of made me ponder a question about, cause I've had moments where I've talked to people and in a random situation, not necessarily like a UFO shop, but I remember one time I was basically on a plane and I was sitting next to this guy and um, you know, those moments, right. Where it's like, you kind of start talking and, Sure. You don't know, kind of, you, you, you don't intend to like 
evangelize or anything like that. But then the conversation sort of just goes that way. And then, you know, I, I remember after the, the whole experience and I felt bad for the guy actually afterwards. Cause I was like, Oh man, I totally just like totally Jesus his ear off, you know, <laughs> for like, for like an hour. I just like totally just, you just got Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but it was one of those things where it was like, Whoa, Oh, I didn't even realize I knew that much about the Bible and about Jesus and about all that stuff, you know, and it was, it was really right. bizarre. It was a really bizarre moment, but I don't know. Do you have anything like that, that, that where you just kind of without any intention, just sort of in a conversation or, or, you know, just a random person that you run into just sort of, you know, right. Come up with. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, most of my evangelistic experiences have been in, in sort of overseas situations and sort of happened between translators and things like that. But I did have this one time when, you know, you know, you have people talk about like the, you know, people will just know that you have Jesus in you because you're of, you know, you're your so peaceful. And, and yeah, yeah. You know, people will just see that in you and they'll ask like, why are you so different, man? And then, you know, that's when you're supposed to say like, cause I know Jesus, right? you know, like situations like that. And you hear a lot of dudes, like especially a lot of preachers. I mean, they, they I've heard this preached a few times and I actually had an experience like that once and it caught me totally off guard. It was in high school and I'm just like standing in the hallway with just a, a bunch of hoodlums and <laughs> this one girl, I, I don't even know what the, conversation was about but she's like yeah look at basil he's just so peaceful he's just like dripping peace like how are you doing that man and you know it's just like the moment of truth like you feel it you're like oh here we go this is it and i just went for it it's like because i know jesus everybody and you know most of them were pretty awkward and then it. you and then you pulled out your banjo and everything was fine. Yeah, and then I sang my little ditty. A little bit of Rocky Mountain breakdown. <laughs> cool. Well anyway, yeah, awesome. No, but I mean that and and it was just an awesome thing and uh, a, a few of those friends as of today are very uh, on fire, powerful Christian people. That's awesome, man. N- not to say that that was because of me at that moment but you know no it wasn't you it was the banjo it was it was jesus gons it was jesus working through the banjo (laughs) as he so often does i'm sure i really hope there's banjos in heaven that's all i gotta say didn't you read that in scripture oh yeah which uh, and the lord hath shined down his light and the banjo descended as a dove. <laughs> and Jesus grasped that banjo and plucked the holiest of holy pluckings. All right. And this is out of control. Uh, <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> let's get back it's late, to man. That's why we, yeah. we do this so late at night. I know. This is I know. I'm, I'm sorry, people, ladies and gentlemen out there. We, uh, uh I we're gonna apologize. we're gonna reground okay, ourselves. We? Um, we're gonna we're gonna get back to the interview here and uh, yeah, yeah. I think now I've been home since 2007. Uh, back you know back to Michigan, but um, 
I can see now looking back that it was it was needed, it was necessary. I've actually found a church that fully understands, I mean, all the freaky deaky weird stuff that I, you know, from you know, proclaiming. I found right. a church that total support and totally understands my ministry. I'm gonna begin teaching probably in October. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's on my videos or in my book. My pastor's checked me out. He's one of the few ministers that actually has gone back and checked out my Greek, my Hebrew. And he goes, wow, yeah, this guy's pretty right on. Crazy sounding, but and he even told me that one time. He said, Jim, <laughs> Jim well, some of this stuff is hard to handle and some of it's kind of crazy, but in my spirit, I just, I know it's right. And yeah. so he tested, he tested the congregation. It's about a 300 member congregation. And um, he started referring people to come, you know, to watch my videos. And um, and uh, he he pulled me aside after church one day and he says, you know, I've been sending a lot of our people to watch your videos and they're ready. They understand it and they're ready. They need to hear more. And I want you to start teaching this. Right. Wow. I never, Praise I, the I, Lord. I, I never thought I'd live to see the day where that happened. Yeah, so, yeah, no. that's incredible. That's, that's it. Might be the. I mean, the definitely the first church I've ever heard of to you know include that in a Sunday service, or at least being at the very least uh, re- telling the the congregation to, to even check it out. You yeah. know, so that is just amazing. Wow, God bless you and that ministry. My goodness. It's definitely um, a 180 to most of the stories we hear and and both Basil and myself, our personal stories of, you know, how this kind of topic or looking into these kinds of topics, how you get treated or how different people look at you when, um, right. Yeah. So, well, that's, well, that's the whole reason people, you know, listen to broadcasts like ours is, you know, you come to Canary Cry Radio because it's a safe place to hear and talk about this stuff because because your church won't talk about it and because they call you crazy and because of all these things. And um, I mean, my goodness, I'm just so thankful that even just to hear that uh, there's a congregation out there uh, opening themselves up to uh, your research here and you're going to be spreading. I mean, what I think is the real message for this generation. And I mean, that is just very uplifting and i'm obviously very enthusiastic about that and i think everybody listening should be enthusiastic about that too to hear that yes there is a you know so many of our listeners are so down on the church nowadays for for precisely that reason and so there you go folks keep praying about it because it can happen um, well, I've always been one to never give up on the church. You know, we need, to, when I say the church, I'm not talking about a big denomination or a building, but I mean, wherever right, the fivefold right. word ministry exists, whether it be in a home Bible study or whatever, we need to stay connected to the people. Yeah. Unfortunately, the major denominations have been acting like frightened children on all this stuff. I mean, I went through 16 years of the same thing that I'm sure both of you have some pretty heart-rending stories. I think all of us that understand the Genesis 6 paradigm have gone through this time of being made fun of, persecuted. When I was in Roswell, the biggest church uh, there that was somewhat supportive was laughing behind my back, thinking I was, you know, the biggest goof in the world. And, uh, right. you know, I didn't know it. It's shame on them. You know, it's here you think the, the capital of everything UFO and alien, you'd think it's a church, the local church would want to know what the scriptures had to say. They didn't want to know. Right. Their major yeah. supporters were, were the ones that owned a lot of these stores that were making, you know, um, a fortune off of the tourism there. So, right. you know, it's like being a, uh, you know, in the days of the Old Testament, being a, 
a Jewish pig farmer. You're not going to be real popular, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was, I was raining on everybody's parade in, while I was in Roswell. So I've, I'm used to being rejected. I'm not used to being accepted. And so I keep pinching myself even, you know, is this really real? This, but the yeah. thing is, the thing that is that it has to happen. The church has to have a wake-up call. God Absolutely. isn't going to just trash the church and forget them, and we're some kind of elite few chosen or anything. Yeah, we're, we, okay, we, some of us have been chosen or called to understand this, and we have been. And when I was in Roswell and I'm sitting there somewhat despondent wondering, you know, how come I can't get any support? You know, you, you know you'd think that uh, in a place like this where they deal with it 24-7, they'd want answers. Wham, 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 crying to the Lord, you know, you know why this, why that? And he, he kind of, this is what he told me. He says, Jim, if everybody knew what you knew about Genesis 6, things that have to happen would not happen. You would have the power to stop it. He said, Jim, the fact is the church is not going to wake up on a whole until other events have been fulfilled. I can't right. let everybody know. Yeah. Your job isn't to wake up the church. Your job is to prepare those. I have, I have woke up many people that are going to be like salt and light that I'm going to scatter around. So that when it looks like the house or the roof of the church falls, they're the emergency support pillars that are going to keep that from falling because they have the answers, as I've given to you. What I want you to do is encourage them, keep them encouraged, keep them connected, keep them um, focused and directed, and have the patience to wait upon the time when they would be called to minister. So that's why we know all this stuff, and we can use it where we can, mostly i hope you know for people that are believing all the alien lies and and you know headed on the wrong path that's our focus in ministry for today but eventually everybody's going to have to deal with this and when that happens you know okay i'm i'm someone that's a little more known everybody's going to come running to me but i can't be in 50 places at one time that's where you and many others are going to be that that second level of you know, you're going to be very busy. <laughs> you're going to be explaining a lot of stuff that right now you're wondering, why do I know this? Nobody wants to hear me. I'm talking to walls and animals. You know, there needs to be a bigger audience. Well, you, your day's coming. Every Everyone in the listening audience that's learning this stuff that has been woken up to this, you have an important time when what you know is going to be vital. It's not right now. It's almost like junk food to most people. But eventually, sometime in history, this is going to be the most important understanding that people are going to have to know that there are no aliens, that these things are not good. They're not here for our benefit. They are here to destroy us and to take over. Right. Yeah, absolutely. My goodness. That's just such an awesome word. Um, and speaking of, uh, speaking of getting, you know, getting the word out and, and mm -hmm. having people receive the knowledge that, you know, we have and you have and hearing your research and things like that, you even had an interview on Coast to Coast with George Nori. Uh, well, that was the last time you'll ever hear me on Coast to Coast, probably. But you know. Oh, you, th you think so, well, huh? Yeah, I pretty well know so. Unless God creates some kind of divine miracle and, uh, you know, that's not going to happen to guy. Is that by choice or uh, by... No, no, by ch well, by George Nori's choice, I suppose, ah. but not mine. Uh, first break, he, uh, he, he had his... Uh, Oh, one of his, his producer, he cut in and he says, okay, now, Mr. Wilson, you're way too biblical, biblical for this program, so you're going to have to uh, tone it down. <laughs> now, wow. They called me at the last moment um, and wanted me to 
come on the show. I think they had a cancellation and out of desperation, they, you know, I was on the list or something. So they called me and I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to do it. And uh, so, but they called me knowing that I was a ordained minister, that I was uh -huh. going to presenting everything from a biblical perspective. And yet they're telling me I'm way too scriptural. <laughs> and, you know, it's, and everybody, you know, he's George Nori. Oh my gosh, bow down. Yes, Mr. Nori, whatever you say. And, you know, and I wasn't being disrespectful, but I mean, the thing is, my reply to them was, look, you called me. I didn't call you. You know I'm a minister. Now, how am I going to be able to speak with any kind of authority, being that my, the scriptures are the only basis of my authority? Right. How, how am I going to be able to intelligently answer your questions without referring to chapter, text, and verse in the scriptures? I yeah. said, That's, you know, I'm not being preachy. I'm not demanding anybody to uh, make a moral decision. I'm using the Bible as a uh, biblical, as a historical narrative, and in comparing with logic, science, um, history, archaeology, and current events. Now, if somebody uses the Bahagna Vita, why is that any different from the Bible? Uh, you right. let me explain that to your audience, and there shouldn't be any problem. Well, they let me stay on the whole three hours, but when we were all done with the interview, there wasn't any, well, thank you, Mr. Welton, I'll have you come back someday, blah, blah, blah. It's a uh, click. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I listened to that coast to coast thing today and, um, you know, it's making a lot of sense what you're saying. And I, and just for myself, I want to, I want to hear how that was because I did notice that they did just, they, there was no goodbye. There was nothing. They just yeah. sort of came yeah. back from a break and went on to this other thing and you were just gone. And I'm like, what happened to this? Like, what just happened? <laughs> and it was, it was, it was bizarre. That's what I thought, too. Now, there was a Christian woman who worked in the office, and this was, uh, that, that was done in September, and she, she was nice enough to write me, and she said, uh, I really want to thank you for being on the show. I just thought I, you should know that uh, you've had more phone calls over your radio program than anyone so far this year, and that was September. So that was nine months, so that was pretty good. But, uh, yeah. A, a true biblical perspective is not desired or wanted by the secular world. I was a member of uh, MUFON for 10 years, never got to speak anywhere, anytime, anyplace. I was, I was window dressing so they could say, see, we, we even include uh, the clergy. Now, right. I know, happen to know from working on the inside there that um, they, the clergy that they do have that, allow, that would be allowed to speak are people that I would determine scripturally by fruit as being apostate. They are in total harmony with the alien agenda and are not aware of what the scriptures have to say and probably wouldn't care anyway. Yeah, no, it's interesting because uh, while I was listening to it and, you know, you're, you're throwing out scripture where, it, you know, where it needs to be thrown out. And uh, it, it occurred to me, I'm like, wow, this is, this is like the most uh, scripturally, you know, biblically based thing I've ever heard on Coast to Coast. And, uh, you know, it was awesome. I mean, it kind of felt like a uh, Canary Cry radio broadcast. And uh, <laughs> like, this, is, this, is, this is really new. You know, I'm not, this is awesome. And, you know, a lot of people kind of see George Norrie as a very Christian influenced um, guy. But yeah, he, later it, it, you could kind of see throughout the interview he kind of got like a little bit more like uh, trying to yeah a little bit more hostile like a little bit more trying to like get away from the subject of the Bible and then yeah. you kind of would come in like hey hey this is I mean this is just 
this is just me. I mean, I'm using it. You know, the Bible is, is a historically relevant blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, okay, okay, well, okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I could tell... I could tell that during the breaks or something, like something was going on that uh, wasn't coming through. And so, yeah, that's really interesting to hear. And then on top of that, they don't even give you a, a farewell. They go to break and come back and they do a broadcast, you know, talking to the guys up in the International Space Station, which was yeah. just, which I think was a, it was just kind of a canned piece there um, that they just played to take up time. You know, it, it seemed like something that, they just have in their back pocket to, you know, take up time when they got to cut the, cut the Bible guy off. Well, they, they did have him scheduled and he, and so they went right over to him right at the time when they said that I would, you know, that I was going to be over, but you know, I thought there was going to be a thank you or something and there was nothing. And I'm going, well, okay, that's the last time I'll ever be on. But I had a decision to make at first break, you know, and, and they went to break first. And before they said anything to me, there was a little bit of quiet time there. So I'm, I'm saying, Lord, you know, I don't know how I'm doing here, but, uh, uh, you know, you got to guide me. Tell me, you know, tell me if I need to change it or anything. And that's when right. they came on and said that. And it's like, it occurred to me now, I, you know, I've, I've had other friends who are Christians that went on that program. Um, L.A. Marzulli's one of them, uh, if you, and Dave Flynn, you know, when he was still alive. Right. And, uh, but I know that, you know, they are pretty good at toning things down when they feel they need to. Yeah, and, they're right. a little more cryptic with their language, especially L.A. is good with that. And he's very good at it. You know, and, and, um, and nobody's, you know, it's not like he's wrong and I'm right. We have our individual callings. We have our individual ways to do things. I'm a dumbled barrel shotgun type of guy and right. that's just the way i'm supposed to be you know i i mean i don't know any any of the, my other colleagues that even would think about talking about time travel in the bible because it would you know i think they would be afraid that it's too freaky but too freaky is what i'm used to you know somebody's got to right. be a point man somebody's got to spit it out and then everybody else will eventually mull it over and maybe do more research but if no if you're afraid to say anything then you know we're not going to progress it you know, any, fo- any more forward. So I don't mind yeah. being a, a point man. So when they told me to tone it down, I thought, well, look, I could be like the rest of my friends, just kind of, you know, I can play that game. Maybe I'm not as good at it, but I can do it if I wanted to. I thought, you know, I, for the first time in my life, I've got over, uh, you know, a couple million audience all at one time, one day, one shot. Why don't I just go ahead and blast it and give all the scriptures and I'm really actually pretty good at preaching without people realizing that they're being preached to once I listen right. to them and, and know where they're coming from and then make it more relatable to them. So right. I thought, you know what, stay on target. That's what I, that's who you are. That's what you've been called to do. So let's preach the gospel one time. And if we never come back, that's okay. Right. But you, you don't, you don't think of this vastness of space that there've got to be some creatures out there like us for me. Now, I'm only saying for me. I'm not I know, understand. trying to I understand. make everybody else believe the way I do. I mean, well, you know, you're on you're on for your views. You're not you're not on well, for other people. I don't believe that aliens came down here and enhanced their DNA and made okay. us, uh, right. you know, mining servants. Um, well, would you believe that even if they were created by God? Yeah, no, that's really really interesting. Yeah, cuz there was even a point there during the interview where he's like He's like, well, now don't preach to me here. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you if, know, it, so. if it would have been Art Bell, he would have disconnected me a long time ago because Art Bell's even more intolerant. 
But, you know, right. I, I thought that's what's funny is George and Nori grew up only three miles away from me. We're the same age. Yeah. That, oh, at the beginning, oh. it seemed like you guys connected yeah. on that level. And then, Oh, right. Yeah. And then it was, uh, well, you know. what people don't know, he is a Mason. So that kind really? of does it right. Oh yeah. So that does oh, it right I there. I did not know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, you don't get into those kind of positions without being part of the good old buddy system. Uh, even, interesting. Eli, even Eli Marzulli, he's been on, he was, uh, been on ancient aliens program about two or three times. Finally, he got so fed up because they edited, edited yeah. out everything that he says, you know what? I'm not helping you guys. You keep editing me out. You keep making it look like I'm on your agenda and I'm not, so I'm not doing anything with you anymore. That's it. And right. good for him. Good for him. Wow. You know, he had yeah, that. No. He had the, and and I, I really respect that because he depends on his ministry as a business and that's hard to do me. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm retired on SSD. I get my, um, checks that I've worked 40 years, mostly two jobs most of my life to, to have. So I don't have to answer to anybody except God. So I can yeah. say whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I was going to, um, I was going to actually even ask you like what, what your thought was on George Norrie and Christianity and, you know, cause he comes, he comes across pretty cryptically, Christian, like I don't know, like if you if you're not expecting him to be spiritual, and you you just kind of hear some of the the ways he comes across, um, you'd be like, oh, this guy's probably a Christian, but he you know he's on this UFO radio thing, so you know he only kind of puts it in there once or twice. But to hear that he's amazing, I mean, just explains everything. Well, you know, the thing is that that um, he may, in his own mind, think that he is a Christian. I just don't think that he understands the idea of being born again and having a relationship as opposed to, you know, embracing intellectually uh, a religion. Right, right, he has right. a religion. So he doesn't get an evangelical that, you know, comes from a, a born again uh, type of position. And in the secular UFO community, um, true born again Christians um, with an evangelical biblical perspective, very knowledgeable in the word, um, they're not accepted. They're not given any opportunity to speak unless you hop on the agenda that they're their litmus i guess you might say is uh could you be open for the idea that there's good aliens i'm not i'm right. sorry you know i i was asked to be on the, uh one history channel program the bible and ufos and they had they almost demanded that i have to accept the idea that there are good aliens and i said look huh. i'm you know i'm a christian i can show you in three scriptures that there are no aliens anywhere at any time any place period right well that man shoot yourself in the foot i mean that that does it right there you're you're right. not be invited to uh be anything in the secular ufo committee i lived in roswell for four years and um when i was there that's kind of the central hub the mecca for all things ufo and alien right i got to pretty much meet um, you know, at that time, I was two, from 2003 to 2007, I got to pretty much meet everybody that's who's who in the secular and the Christian realm of UFO um, investigation. Although, I have to say, from 2007 till now, <laughs> there's been so many more Christians exponentially getting involved in this that it's just, I can't keep up. I, I don't know half of anybody anymore. But I, I get my right. first sermon on Genesis 6 and how that overlaps to uh the whole ufo alien thing in 1978 so that was wow, kind of wow. way ahead of the program yeah i would yeah, say so yeah i mean th yeah you sound like the perfect guest for this show because there there are a lot of people talking about it more but you know i mean my 
personal testimony involves finding someone like yourself through the internet, through like interviews. And I remember listening to that coast to coast interview fairly early on. Uh, you know, I've been a Christian for like six years and it was probably within the first couple of years where, I mean, I almost fell away because I was like trying to figure out what the whole UFO thing had to do with the Bible. Yeah, and there was nobody there, talking about it, you know? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's part of my testimony. So yeah, I mean, you're, you were one of those people I found Steve Quayle, uh, LA Marzuli, um, you know, Mike Heiser and stuff. So yeah, you were a big part of, uh, making sure that I stay saved, if you will. I mean, I don't know if yeah, I guess oh, that doctor <laughs> is uh, another whole thing there, but, <laughs> but yeah, well, I, I appreciated your work. And so it's a, it's an honor to have you on here. Wow. That's nice to know. Yeah. Thank you. There really needs to be discernment in this area. I tried and it, it kind of failed, but um, see when I got called into this full time, I was already an ordained minister for 20 some years. Uh, many people get into this and they have never been prepared. They've never been in ministry as any kind of leadership capacity. My God, I know, and I'm not going to mention names, but I know a woman who uh, was in a mental institution while she wrote most of her book. Mm. And she got out, got saved. Eight months later, she's got her book published. A genius, actually, you know, intellectually. Uh, absolutely not prepared for ministry. Didn't even have a basic discipleship program. And now she's right. spouting off on a level of a PhD level. I mean, that's just insane. I try to talk to her and tell her, you know, wait, learn at the feet of Jesus first. Get your basics in. Don't try to, don't try to handle, you know, all these heavy topics right away. You need to learn who Jesus is. Allow the Lord to prepare you for ministry. You just don't throw yourself into ministry. Right. There's no check and balance in this kind of activity because the church has thrown all of us out. Yeah. So, so there's no way to have check and balance. So the the people that are listeners or hearers to anybody talking on this kind of subject really have to use uh, prayerful discernment because there's a lot of people that are ill-equipped and ill-prepared and they end up getting way off on tangents. There's two websites, uh, Sherry Schreiner and uh, the Star Gods. Just, you know, when they first started out, they had some good basic material. Now they're, you know, they're on this kick that Paul was a false apostle and everything that Paul wrote we need to throw out, which I don't, I guess we got what three books in the New Testament then, or something. I mean, you know, that's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. you know, it it really takes discernment, and you know, I'm not, I'm one that I don't believe that as Christians we have any right or scriptural basis for airing dirty laundry or attacking each other publicly. If we have a problem, we need to be doing this privately behind the scenes, not not displaying this out in front of uh, the whole unsafe population. Uh, you know, the idea is that they're going to know we're Christians by our love for one another while we're sitting there beating each other up with doctrinal disputes. How is that showing right. anybody anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know all too well about that with uh, some recent stuff, finding myself on some articles <laughs> and people uh, calling me, uh, you know, different things in YouTube videos and stuff. Mean names. <laughs> mean names. Mean yeah. people. Mean names. That claim um, to be Christians, but right. well, well, the thing is, like, even with it, we have a chat room for fellowship and support. It's two ways, you know. I I work with a lot of uh, victims of uh, unwanted paranormal problems and things, and I have no church to t- you know to turn them over to. Um, matter of fact, I I warn the people: don't say too much about you know your abduction or you know the experience with orbs or whatever you know they went through, because they're going to want to send you to a psychiatrist, uh, even in a full gospel church. So. Uh, what you might want to do is just, you know, we opened up a room so that we could provide fellowship. 
uh, basically discipleship. And even then, under the anonymity of the internet, we have people coming in there like trolls just trying to argue and fight and bash. And, and it's like their alter ego. They'll say and do things that they would never have the guts uh, to do in a live situation. So right. they hide in their anonymity and act like beasts. So we, you know, uh, we kick out half the people that come in because we just don't right. put up with that. You know, yeah. it's a place for fellowship and encouraging each other, not for beating each other up. Absolutely. Those darn trolls. <laughs> God, see, you have a lot of experience with those trolls, don't you? I do, unfortunately. Just those internet people trying to make you mad. Yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately, yeah. I've I've um I've fallen victim to, uh, you know, being reeled into the conversation. You know, like you yeah. you you realize they're trolls, but then you're like, you know, me and my wife is like, hey, you know, come cook dinner, and I'm like, wait. Wait, you, you must somebody wait. on the internet is wrong. This person on the interwebs is wrong, and I must type my <laughs> truth-filled response. Okay, so just so everybody is aware, and this might be equipping some of you with some internet savvy that you are so desperately needing, but who knows? What do I know? You might all be more cool than I am. Um, so a troll on the internet, they love Christians, and they love people who really believe anything in anything yeah at all. who have who have convictions you know, if you have any anything. sort of belief um they'll come get you but what these people do is they'll just post things just specifically to make you angry and to evoke a response out of you right doesn't really matter i mean sometimes it'll be so ridiculous and you're like what that person is ridiculous I need to- jesus was not a raptor he was not a velociraptor um and then you know you 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 take the time to to research and write out all the scriptures that specifically say that jesus was not a velociraptor and then once you have laid out a very clear and poignant argument, they come back with just more ridiculousness because they don't care. They just want to make you angry. Right. Um, What's interesting, though, is that we've, you know, we've come to learn that there's actually paid Internet trolls. You know, people, people uh, have admitted didn't that you didn't know that. I thought you'd I know don't that. I believe you. What no. are your sources? My- Who's paying these people? <laughs> this might be old news to some, but last year it was confirmed that the U.S. military has been manipulating social media by using fake identities to influence conversations and spread pro-American propaganda. It's called Online Persona Management Services. And under the CENTCOM contract, it allows the creation of up to 10 sock puppet accounts for every U.S. serviceman or woman working on the program. The stipulations are that every fake persona must have a convincing background, history, and supporting friend networks so that it remain undetectable from even the most sophisticated adversaries. According to The Guardian, the project has been likened by web experts to China's attempts to control and restrict free speech on the internet, and that critics are saying that it allows the U.S. military to create a false consensus in online conversations, crowd out unwelcome opinions, and smother commentaries or reports that do not correspond with its own objectives. Now, of course, according to CENTCOM, their only objective is to counter violent extremists and enemy propaganda outside of the U.S., and that it would be unlawful to address U.S. audiences with the technology. Wow, unlawful, really? Interesting because the newest version of the 2013 NDAA included an 
interesting amendment. This amendment legalized domestic propaganda on the American public. You heard me right. The newest NDA wasn't just reauthorizing the indefinite detention of American citizens. It also allowed the U.S. government to legally carry out misinformation campaigns against the citizens of this country. But is this really surprising to anyone? I mean, the corporate media is basically a propaganda arm of the U.S. government anyways, isn't it? Why the need to legalize the use of propaganda when you already have an entire mainstream media establishment lacking to the White House, reprinting government press releases without question, selling wars, and carrying water for the administration? In fact, aside from everything I just mentioned, the Pentagon already spends $4 billion a year to influence public opinion, and the Department of Defense also spends hundreds of millions of dollars on information campaigns in countless countries occupied by the U.S. military. Are, are, am I a troll for saying that? Um, I think you are. No, You're trolling no, me right they, now. there are. And just, just to be clear real quick, the word troll, when you first think of it, you think of like a troll, like a little gnome. Yeah, a little like gnome a, with the a, hair, the little, you know. Right. Yeah. A, a little aggravating little beast yeah. who's who's like trolling you. But actually the term is comes from fishing, like trolling fishing. Right. Like, that's what it is. You're what they're doing is they're just putting something out there and hoping you will bite. Right. So that's what it is. It's not the little troll. There you go. Yeah. Well, there was some stuff on uh Prison Planet, which is Alex Jones's website and some other some other, you know, more conspiratorial circles that have come out and said that there are definitely some, you know, people that are, you know, uh, paid internet trolls, especially pertaining to like the whole nine eleven thing. You know, pe- know, people people get all riled up and who they were trying well, to, yo, so you mean like some disinfo type stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like or these like, are these are people that seek out, you know, people that are very pro truther 911 truther people and they all they do is they go in there so they can you know so they can start a conversation start a conversation so people, make them look like crazy conspiracy theorists and stuff like that you know oh right 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 yeah okay i mean i don't i don't okay i mean i know that that's their main goal i don't know who would be paying for that though right i'm obama I, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny because there's a guy on Age of Deceit, the the YouTube page, and right. I don't even want to say his name, but he has been there for months. Like he's been in there for Trolling. months, and and like I don't even, I mean, like at first I'm like, dude, this guy's a troll, and then I was like, hey, maybe he's a paid troll, and now I'm just like, dude, I feel bad for you, man. Why are you in there so often, like, like stirring thing, stuff man. up? And he's like all about Maitreya and like. <laughs> That's got to be the top, top stressful job on the internet. It's being a troll. I don't think we've had any trolls on our forum though, which is nice. Other Although than other than the spammy the laws people. of the internet, me probably even mentioning that will now just inundate it with. Yeah, you um, just you just drew attention. All the I the did. troll eyes are now fixated on the Canary Cry Radio Great. forum. Come on, bring it on, trollers. Just kidding. Please don't. Leave no, us alone. please don't. Uh, <laughs> we will delete your account. <laughs> well, well, okay. So speaking of our forum, you had a question for everybody, huh? I did. I did. And, you know, Jim, in this last little segment there, we, Jim was really talking about, you know, the kinds of things that I guess, you know, the Christian community goes through as far as the alternative sort of underground, 
you know, the Genesis six paradigm people. Right. So just sort of the basis of the fringe at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I thought it would be interesting to just throw this out there and you guys can respond in the forum or the comment section. Basically Basil and I want to know how you first reacted uh, to the whole idea of the Nephilim and whether, you know, I mean, obviously there's probably, you know, varying angles of how you came to know about Genesis six thing with, the sons of God mating with the daughters of men and, you know, bearing Nephilim and stuff. And uh, so we would love to hear what you thought about it when you first heard about it, what turned you around. If you're, you know, some, some of you guys might not even be convinced of it yet, but just what's your experience when it comes to, um, you know, cause that's kind of a paradigm shifting piece of information. How did that happen for you guys? Yeah. So let us know in the comment section, go to the comment section of this episode. And uh, let us know. Let's talk about it, yo. Because I think a lot of people who see that, you know, will be in the same boat. Right, right. And so, you know, this will be a way for all of you guys to realize that you're not alone. You're not. We're all in it together. I don't know the rest of the song. Let's continue with Jim Wilhelmson. Here we go. Okay, so... We have got so much to go through and it would not be becoming of us as a program to move on without letting you talk a little bit about aliens and the UFO phenomenon and your thoughts on that in a biblical context. Aliens. When I, the first thing that people want to know, do you believe in aliens? Are there, you know, is there life on other planets? And right. What I like to do first is divert. I know where they're going with this, and, and it's like, first off, I, I don't want to divert from the, the truth is whether there's life out there or not isn't the most important issue. We are being contacted by non-human entities that are real, that are here now. It doesn't matter where they come from. Right. Who are they, and what do they want? That's, what, that's the most important thing that needs to be addressed. Who are these entities, and where do they come from uh, is secondary, but what are they doing and what do they want? Are they good or are they bad? What discernment do you use? As a minister, I use the Bible. I find that they're all liars. They all preach a diff. It's funny that, you know, if they're aliens, they come across the universe billions of miles or whatever. And the first thing they want to get us set straight on is that, that we got it wrong about Jesus. They don't want to talk about Muhammad. They don't want to talk about Vishnu or, or Matre or anything. They want to talk about Jesus. We got that part wrong. And they're going to, then right. they all tell us about a cosmic Jesus that's not in a Bible. Well, my Bible says, but though we are an angel, preach any other gospel other than that which we preach, let him be accursed. And that is pretty strong language. It means let him be damned. Right. So it's like, you know what? No, they're, they're not good guys. They're liars. They stick things up your nose, up your butt, and everything else. And that's not nice. <laughs> um, they're not it's good not, guys it isn't nice that <laughs> no, is not that's, nice that's, that's, yep. mean <laughs> well I mean you know and they, and they, they stroke people's egos they say right. well it's for a higher cause and so you know the thing is that the people end up sympathizing with their captors thinking there's a higher cause and a reason so it's okay to stick this thing up my butt without a, uh, anesthesia it's okay to shove this thing up in my nose without anesthesia uh, no it's not you know, these things work in darkness. They work uh, clandestine. If they're really the benevolent things that they're trying to come off as, they do this in broad daylight. They land on the White House lawn and they'd say, we're here and we're going to give you peace or whatever. And I think that day's coming, but 
right now they're doing all this clandestine behind the scenes working in darkness stuff who works in darkness right. not god not his angels not not good guys it's people that are trying to hide something they have another agenda right and that's so that's the way i avoid the answer but i don't have to avoid it i got an answer i can show you in three scriptures there are no such thing as aliens not in the way that we're thinking of aliens right when people in the secular world when they're talking about um life on other planets they're they're saying okay is there life like us that is in need of some kind of uh, uh you know within their culture or society that they're in need of of progressing forward to a higher level of spirituality and an awareness or, or whatever no nothing like that exists anywhere um you know sorry i mean i know that sounds pretty narrow-minded you look up the, the stars you go gosh there has to be more than us but you know what i worked in um auto prototype in detroit and that you work with new beginnings things that have never been done before so you use the idea that everything has to have a beginning everything and everything has to have a starting point so um according to my bible Jesus said that he was the firstborn <clears throat> of the dead, firstborn of many brethren. The firstborn meaning that Jesus first came, he was like the prototype, he was the Lamb of God, he came, he knew no sin, but became sin for us, died, wasn't subject to death, rose again, so that he would now be the firstborn of many other people that would experience the same thing. Now the angels looked down and says in the, and uh, Peter wrote in one of the gospel or in one of his books, Peter wrote that the angels looked down and studied this whole redemptive process intensely. Now that tells me something right there. Why are they studying this? Because this has never happened before, mm -hmm. not anywhere else in the whole universe, in all of creation. We are the firstborn of what we are promised to be: God's children, God's son, the sons of God. Right. We are the firstborn. So Jesus was first. We are what comes after. There has never been anything like us before. We're a new creation, a new level of creation that has never been before. So that tells me right there that whatever is out there in the universe, our physical universe, it's not going to be on par with us. It's not going to be a culture or society that is in need of hearing the gospel message or anything else. There's nothing like us anywhere else. That means whatever's out there is an angelic being that is either part of God's kingdom and will, will tell us everything and anything that's going to be in total harmony with the Bible, or they're liars and deceivers who are going to pretend to be aliens, ascended masters, avatars, whatever you want to hear, they're going to tell you that that's what they are. They're going to tell you something different. So it's black and white. It's literally you're either on God's kingdom or you're against it in a massive rebellion against God and his uh, people. So that's, that's the scenario biblically that we're stuck in. Whether you want to believe anything else or not, that's the theology of wishology. Just because I wish it, I'm going to make it true. No, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, that's what we're stuck with. Yes. We are the beginning point. What goes beyond that? I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't think any of us know until we get into the eternal state. Then we will know even as we are known, the Bible says. So, um, so no, there's no, you know, friendly aliens. Casper isn't a friendly ghost. He's a <laughs> demonic entity. I mean, you know, these are some of the realities that, that have been made to look so narrow-minded and, you know, like silly, mindless superstitions. It's not mindless and it's not silly superstitions. These are things that are clearly defined in the Bible if we take the time to search them out. It gives us the discernment to understand 
what we are encountering and who we are encountering and what's their agenda. Um, So there is no aliens. So what are they? Then we go to Genesis 6 and we find out that there were non-human entities that one time came upon earth. They had sexual intercourse with the human race, with women, and they produced these hybrid offspring. They were tyrants. They were bullies. They were exchanging all kinds of forbidden knowledge with mankind. Um, and they were corrupting the very seed line that the promised Messiah would come from. Now, they were really trying to cut God off at the pass. If they could contaminate all the human race and the Messiah couldn't come, humans couldn't be redeemed. Right. They were right. only eight people away from being successful for that. And um, so these, these sons of God and their hybrid offspring are the same as the demonic entity here. We have a whole history of, you know, of what happened to them and why. The hardest thing for most Christians to understand is the fact that angels, we, you know, this is the biggest misconception, and boy, I just have to go through so many uh, scriptures that people have misconceived. We think that angels are some kind of will-o'-the-wisp spirits. Right. And they're, they're not. not. They're physical. They're actually very physical. Just like us, Paul said that there are bodies celestial and bodies terrestrial. One is like one thing and one is like, a, you know, different, but they're both physical entities. Right. Angels are physical entities. Demons are disembodied spirits. There's a difference between the two. We're talking apples and oranges. We're not talking one entity. And most Christians don't understand that. Right. And that's where the biggest problem is where they don't understand who or what aliens are. They're fallen angels. The Bible is very clear on that. And But you have to go back to the original language on some uh, texts to really understand, you know, what's going on. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I get on long rants and then I realize, okay, you said enough. Maybe they want to take it to a certain direction. So that's <laughs> that's no, okay. no, no, I'm no, no. It's like, don't mind me. I, I didn't want to interrupt. You know, I, I, I totally agree with you on a lot of what you said there. And I, I think there's plenty of scripture to show physicality of angels. And of course, you know, Hebrews 13, two is one of them. And some of these, you don't even have to go to the the Hebrew, like, you know, Hebrews 13, two says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So right. people presume that those are good angels, but it doesn't tell us that, you know, necessarily that it was good or bad. Um, exactly. And there's other places like, for example, the two angels that in Genesis 19, uh, in, in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, when Lot brought those two angels into the, the city, they all wanted to you know, bring them out because they wanted to know them, you know, and so yeah, they wanted to have sex with them. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> so there's, so there's plenty it's, of evidence there and, and Jude seven alludes to that same event. And so, and if you actually, this one, I, I, I believe you do get to get into the, some of the Greek um, with Jude seven, because I believe, you know, it says that they were yeah. going after strange flesh and the word strange is uh, heteros and it means uncertain affinity, other or different. And if it was just talking about homosexuality, then wouldn't they use a word that's that's more like, hey, they were going after the same flesh, not different flesh, you know? So there's little little gems like that here and there. Have you have, I, have you found? Uh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, on Bynes notes on Strong's numbers includes the idea or the concept that this is altered flesh. Oh, I love that. There's a smoking gun. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. the, the one that I like to use the most is that we were told that as the uh, children of Israel wandered through the desert, they were given manna. Right. And, uh, you know, it came down from heaven and I guess, you know, it must have been okay for a while, but they got pretty fed up with it and they started whining and crying about, you know, eating this manna. Well, in Psalms, 
David defines manna as being angel food. Right, oh, that's right. Angel food. Okay, what is angels doing eating food if they're not physical? <laughs> yeah. Right, that's right. Um, Interesting. You know, that means there's angel poo somewhere out there in an outhouse <laughs> or something. I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, we're dealing with physical realities. You know, people think they're going to die and go strumming on a harp on a big old fluffy cloud. Come on. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be physical. Yeah. Jesus was fully physical after the resurrection. He told Thomas, put your fingers in my hands. Put them on my chest where the spear went in. I'm physical. Yet he just walked through a wall. Right. right. He has the best of both. You know, I, people tell me, well, you know, yeah, okay, they were physical because they can relate to people that way. They're shapeshifters. They can change their, huh, shapeshifters? Can you <laughs> show me anywhere in the scripture, chapter, text, and verse, where did you find that? Right, right. You know, that angels are up, shapeshifters. Yeah, it's like you know. Okay, that's a good idea, but give me chapter, text, and verse where it says that you can't find right. it. It's not there. Right. I can yeah. show you that that um, in in the scriptures where Peter says that uh, the angels was kept not their first estate. Right, is reserved to, the, to everlasting darkness, chains of darkness. Now we get this idea that um, that these spirits that committed this are chained up well first off if they're disembodied spirit and and when you go back to the greek they're about the angels that left their state it's clearly telling you that they are physical entities that are no longer physical he had put them in everlasting chains of darkness the darkness means a ghost mm. a non-tangible area a ghost-like uh place the old testament calls them the rafa the ghosts of the giants so they're ghosts so uh, how do you shackle a ghost I just want to know. I'm kind of curious, you know, you say, you know, you, you say, you know, it's like we as Christians got everything backwards. You know, we want to say that the things that are physical aren't and that the things that aren't physical, they are. They're not chained up in a bottomless pit for everlasting. You look at the, the Greek word for chains and there's an alternate meaning, meaning a cycle, like a chain, a cycle of going up and down. Mm. Oh, going up and down, hmm. what is that? Well, you think about the disembodied spirits, the demons. What is their whole subject? They are sentenced to go down, not to be held in restraint, but to be held for a purpose, a future prophetic purpose, right. is what that paradatomai means. It means they're being held in reserve. They're not escaping, but they're being held in reserve. They're locked into a cycle of going up and down. Well, what is that? Well, that's exactly what we see in the scriptures. These disembodied spirits come up because people are entertaining various occult activities. I've spent a large portion of my life kicking demonic entities out of homes and even sometimes out of people because they played with a Ouija board. A Ouija board was created by Parker Brothers. They borrowed two different occult practices and kind of made up their own thing. So it doesn't have some deep, dark, long history of, of uh, occult activity. But the basic idea is this is in rebellion to the Word of God. God says to seek Him. There's only one mediator between man and God, man Christ Jesus. There's only one source, one person that is going to give you answers for your future, for, uh, for anything, or give you power. But when you go to a a Ouija board and ask questions, you know, am I going to find love? Am I going to have money? Can this, you know, we're in an act of rebellion, whether we're ignorant of it or not. And so right. what, what that happens, you actually open up a portal or allow these things to be conjured up from this pit into your life, into your home. And then in the name and authority of Jesus Christ, they're cast back down where they came from. So that's your cycle of going up and down. That is exactly what is described in the 
in the uh, scriptures as a punishment. What I recently found in uh, Isaiah uh, 24th chapter was pretty incredible. Um, it talks about the earth wobbling to and fro, and then it describes the uh, the kings from on high and or the kings of the earth and the heavenly hosts were after this earth is reeling to and fro like a drunkard. It says that he placed them, the celestial beings and the terrestrial offspring, into a pit where they would stay until they were visited. Now this is. I, I, I get involved in one of my videos on this is an electromagnetic forces that are keeping these demonic entities locked into this. That's their chains. That's their position. They can't escape that. They're disembodied spirits now. They're locked into some kind of an electromagnetic force, but they're going to be released. In Revelations 9, we see this invasion of something that's coming out of the inside of the earth right. out upon mankind. They're coming back out. The key word is visited visited the hebrew word pechad means to supernaturally intervene in the natural courses of events sarah was visited by an angel given birth well past the ability to give birth but it also means to muster up as an army and we see this end time army of locusts that are coming out of the inside of the earth upon the earth that is what that scripture is all about if you ever noticed even um the British counterpart to uh, Project Blue Book concluded in, uh, <clears throat> it was called Biforia, uh, they concluded in their findings on researching and investigating UFOs and aliens that this whole phenomena had more to do with the occult than it had to be extraterrestrial visitations. Right. They based it on the electromagnetic anomalies that are particular both to uh, spiritual situations, sightings, ghosts uh deliverance uh you know things where tvs will go on and off lights will go on and off there seems to be some kind of electronic connection there uh with them as well as with ufos there's a similarity they even came to the same conclusions this is what we see in confirmation to the scriptures there so the idea is a show if you can imagine the bible says that the angel had a key to open up the bottomless pit right imagine a cylindrical um key or lockway it has to have two axes so this key is going in and then it's shifting and it's opening up something to allow it well, the earth is wobbling it's it's when it's wobbling like a drunkard to and fro it's doing an axis shift and in that shift it opens up a bottomless pit um i it was incredible that the bible talks about a hollow earth it talks about openings at the poles it's really kind of crazy, I know, but the scriptures are there for it. Um, right. So imagine a key going in from the north to south pole. And I'm talking in a celestial sense, not a literal key, but um, forces, anti-gravity, magnetic forces, cosmic forces or something that's causing the Earth <clears throat> to shift its axis. And when it shifts, then it's opening something else up on the other plane. Mm. Now, we have... An opening in the North Pole, we have an opening in the South Pole to a literal hollow Earth. But we have, uh, we have two other places that aren't lined up directly center uh, to the center of the Earth, but we have two other places that uh, directly line up to each other, almost as if it was a bottomless pit. One is called the Devil's Triangle, and then exactly opposite, if you were to bore a hole from the Devil's Triangle, go right, uh, right through the Earth, on the other side, you're going to end up in the Devil's Sea off the coast of Japan. 
Right. All kinds of things disappear, all the electromagnetic anomalies, the, the weird green uh, haze that happened in the experiments with, um, uh, what was the, the USS Eldridge when they were trying to make it invisible. I mean, all right. of these yeah. things are all connected. I mean, I'm trying to condense, you know, um, 16 years of, of intensive study into no. a five-minute conversation. So it's hard <laughs> to So I'm just given a top, like a review that all these things are interconnected. They're all elements of one story. So whether it be Bigfoot, crop circles, um, you know, orbs or ghosts or uh, aliens, they're all connected to one story, one theme. And when you start yeah. putting all the pieces together, it's just, it's a mind blower. It's, well, that's why the name of my book is Beyond Science Fiction, because once you discover some of these <laughs> right. truths, it's way outside of the box. It's way beyond science fiction. It's totally beyond science fiction. <laughs> Did you like my movie voice? That was actually pretty good. Okay. I think well, that we it's have true. a career path straight for Basil. Jim Wilhelmson. Are you talking to me? You keep cutting out whenever I talk to you. Oh. Oh. Are you recording right now? I am. <laughs> yes. Uh, you are? Yes, it's okay. recording. <laughs> Well, we can we can start that over. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do that again so everybody wants to hire me to do their movie trailers. I guess you could just use the one I already did. Yeah, the one you did was pretty good. Okay. We'll you just use that one. Again. Yeah. Okay. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this is a disaster. Yeah. <sighs> Do you see um, how my job of editing this show can be sort of stressful sometimes? Oh, I totally understand. I, trust me, I'm your biggest fan, I man. I am not going to edit this I, just more than for the sake sees of people. The, the hardship that you go through. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, that was that was the first half of the interview with Jim Wilhelmson. And, you know, Jim Wilhelmson, part one. Yeah, and so, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, you put that at the beginning. I'll put it at the beginning and the end, okay. and the middle. It'll just play randomly throughout the the thing, and then people <laughs> will be like, "What is that sound? That that beautiful low." All right, how are we coming out of this? I, I don't know. I thought we were already going. <laughs> I thought we were too, but now I'm just so confused. Okay, so I'll we come out with my. My voice, my movie voice. Your movie voice. And then I say, then I say this. That's my, that's my movie trailer voice I've been working on. Right, it's pretty good. Whoever is listening, who happens to be a movie producer, Hollywood, right guy, will be like, that's the voice. That's the voice. That's the new guy. That's the new. It's, the, it's been the same guy forever. Yeah. Well, obviously. And, I mean, even if it was a different looking, guy, they're looking for the new guy because that guy, I'm sure, is getting old, and they're just looking for a guy who can be like, this summer, and then I don't know, <laughs> Transformers Five. 
I don't know. That was a bad one, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that they have like different voices for different like moods of movies, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what kind of mood do you think I'd work out for? Well, obviously the, uh, the action, uh, romance. Yeah. The, the, (laughs) the best romantic comedy of the summer. Yeah. There you go. Jack and Jill went up that hill, but they found more than a pail of water. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely a talent of yours. You should pursue <laughs> that. You should definitely pursue that, especially uh, you know with all that reverb on your voice. Right. Yeah. No, that's a natural talent of mine. Yeah, you, you have natural <laughs> reverb in your throat. That's just part of the way God created yeah. you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, what are All we right. doing here? We're, I think we're trying to wrap this episode well, we're up, at right? the end. We're at the end of part one. <laughs> um, and we're, we're wrapping it up and letting people know that we have a whole nother episode filled with more awesome stuff from Jim Wilhelmson, including things such as the hollow oh let's do this the hollow earth theory and what else is there oh now i feel inadequate dude i can't do that voice no it's okay i'll just do it we'll say it was you (laughs) okay okay all right what else is there i don't even know what we're doing we got time travel oh yeah time travel and and then we also have some crazy stuff with uh, some more crazy dealings with scripture. Scripture. You don't need to do that, man. I can edit that and make it. Oh, I always forget. It's all right. You can. I'll leave it in there. Maybe okay. I'll maybe I'll double the echo so you can't tell what's you actually echoing yourself and what's actually the real echo. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. Messing um, with your ears, people. <laughs> We gotta land this plane, man. This plane. Snakes on that plane. (laughs) Oh, man. I actually never saw that movie. I really wish I did. No, it's okay. It's, you're not missing anything. Actually, you are. You should go see it. It's pretty. I heard, I heard people saw the movie for one line. No, I mean, you just, that's all you watch the movie for. Yeah. And then did people walk out when they saw that line or they heard that line? Oh, I don't know. Are you kidding me? I didn't pay money to see that movie. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so yeah, this was part one. We got part two with all kinds of craziness happening. So hopefully that episode. Yeah. And on top of that, it's already recorded. So it's not going to be like three weeks. That's 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 sooner. Yeah. We'll probably we'll try to get it out uh, less than a week. So Stay tuned for that. And you got anything else, Basil? No, I think that's all we got, man. Yeah, this was a doozy. It's been a rough night. It's definitely been rough. This is. This is. Uh, I guess we can. We can just. Um, we can land this plane here, and we'll land it like this. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, UPlayer, whatever app that you listen to us on. Even if you're going to CanaryCryRadio.com and streaming us straight from the internet, make sure to do that. Leave us comments. Send us emails at CanaryCryRadio.com. Uh, uh, great. CanaryCryRadio at gmail.com. Leave us voicemail messages. And if you uh, are at all touched by what you've heard tonight, 
um, maybe not even specifically on this episode, but on any other episode, please consider going to our support page on canarycryradio.com. You can support us monthly with some options we have there for you. Or if you're not into commitment at this time in your life, you can make a one-time donation of any amount there. We really appreciate that. Um, we, we try to do our best here for you, regardless of what you may think of this episode. Um, and, and uh, yeah, we thank you very much. Oh, the and cricket's so, back. And the cricket's back. So everybody knows what that means. That means molasses. Oh, yeah, the molasses. And also to come back next week or the week after for another episode of Canary Cry Radio. And until then, think outside the cage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on StumbleUpon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting CanaryCryRadio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage.